2: Hey, George Planner. This is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And did someone like come in your office the second we started? Because all of a sudden I see you go. Do a quick little So
1: It's funny you say that. I could have sworn I saw a person there. Okay, let's not go into another exorcism episode. I don't think my heart can take it. I'm not. I just saw a person and they weren't there. So it might have something to do with the amount of coffee I drank.
2: Do you drink a lot of coffee
1: not today? Actually, yeah, but you know, you'll get this. I thought of you this morning uh, when I was in the shower, and no, it's not like that. Uh, my wife came in the bathroom, hey, I was it's in the better shower. than when
2: you're on the crown. <laughs> are you sure about Wait, that? It's because, called a throne, not a crown. Never mind. I
1: frequently call you from there, and I knew what you <laughs> meant because this, sir. I remember the first time I called you, I said, Hey, are we friends? <laughs> was that the first
2: that wasn't the well, first no time. the
1: first time I called you from that location I should specify I like remember, friend, right? You used
2: to always call me and I'd be going through the drive through at Taco Bell and I'd be like, "Hold on." I'd be laughing cuz I'm like ordering <laughs> something from Taco Bell every time.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But uh yeah, man, so you know um where where was I going? Oh yeah, no, I just I, oh, so in the shower this morning, I the, remember how you and I had this talk years ago about coffee in a shower. It's hard to tell which one wakes you up.
2: Uh, for you, maybe for me, it's the clear shower. I'm not a coffee person.
1: So, so this is what I'm doing. I'm 48 years old. I get up in the morning, I get up at five, I get up at 530 sometimes and I cannot for an hour. Keep going. I, I hunch over the counter. I've got my coffee there. I'm making my coffee. I'm boiling the kettle. I'm doing the French press thing. And sometimes I'm so tired. I don't reach over to the French press and pour the coffee in the the the, the cup. Because I hurt so much. Like being old is no joke, dude. Like. Like I just have this. Wait, I'm trying to understand this. Say this again. What is hurting? Everything, but of course you know I have a spinal condition as well, right? So that might be part of it. But I, I have would have to say it is because
2: you're not that much older than
1: me. You don't have that, dude. It started this, this year. This but kind also of perfection. Keep in mind, I got COVID. This kind so, of
2: perfection. You didn't get COVID. Oh, I totally got COVID. You Did kidding. you get tested, or are you just saying they I didn't had have COVID. the test at that time? See, I was you back didn't in have February. COVID.
1: The doctors stop this. Stop no, this. I'm stop you, this. I was sick as a dog in fire. I guess we were just sick. Airport. Maybe you were Maybe, just five sick. Five weeks. You remember how sick I was,
2: though? No, you were probably taking five weeks off.
1: I pretty much was. I pretty much was. And I remember I went to the doctor and I described everything, like the broken glass in the chest, and just sleeping all the time, and. Get the antibody test, and then I'll
2: believe you had it.
1: I, uh, You know what? I, I might do that. I'm I'm convinced, because I get stranded in Portland Airport back when the whole thing was breaking out.
2: I'm convinced that I'm immune to it, because Jamie and I know so many people who've had it, and we're like, <laughs> like we've been hanging out with them, and they all get it. So we're either typhoid Mary over here, or we're just so, immune.
1: So there was an episode of Friends where Phoebe, uh, she was trying to get the chicken pox. Really big. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what you remind me of. But no, I mean, here's the thing. I told Andrew this morning when I'm boiling that kettle starting tomorrow morning, I'm getting in that shower because it's not until the water gets over me that I'm actually feeling like, like I'm, I'm like, I'm the tin man, dude. Like, oh, no. Oh, no. Remember that in Wizard of Oz? See, you you can't
2: do that. When you got your microphone set the way you do, like when you do those weird voices, it cuts you out. And I, I can't hear it, neither can
1: anyone else. Okay, remember when the tan man tin man needs oil and he's all frozen up and he's like, I need oil. Could you hear that?
2: And, and better. Really?
1: What can no, you
2: change uh, the setting? Like, are they doing work in the background? Dude,
1: my microphone's a mystery. I have no oh yeah, dude. Like yesterday I'm doing this call and he's underneath me putting screws in the drywall in the in the garage ceiling. That was fun. So nice. But anyways, so on to, uh, but I need to do that starting tomorrow because what I'm doing is not working, but keep in mind, like I said, I have a neuromuscular condition that I was born with and I had a spinal condition I was born with. So I always have a sense of like dull pain and, in my entire body.
2: And you're ugly. So, you know, that's oh, a trajectory totally <laughs>
1: ugly. You know, it, it's weird because I <laughs> never go to the doctor. So when I go to the doctor, they're always like, cause I got an MRI and they're like, <gasps> the guy's like you know, you have congenital spinal stenosis, right? And I go, what's that? He goes, where well, your spinal column too small, your spinal cord. I said, so, what do you mean? He goes, your spinal. Your, Did you your say, look nervous. at me,
2: I'm a hobbit. How can I have a spinal cord too small?
1: So he goes, yeah. He goes, do you, do you have pain all the time? And I'm like, oh yeah, I've had it for years. I, I know my wife, I thought everybody has it. She says, no, not everybody has it because when, when we were dating, I'm like, know, yeah, like you have that pain. It's like that numb, almost like vibrating and it hurts a little bit, but it's kind of always there. And she goes, no, I, know. I, go, I go, I go, you don't have that. I go, I thought everybody, I thought that was normal. Like everybody has that. Right. And she's like, no. So as I've gotten older, it's gotten worse. So like it, it's chronic pain is what it is, which I don't take medicine for anything, you know? So I just—it makes me sleepy at night, man. Like that's the thing, makes me really, really tired in the in the night. So, like the older I get, I'm now like my mom used to fall asleep on the sofa all the time. I'm that dude. Second, I sit down. A couple minutes later, doesn't matter. We could be watching Mad Max: Fury Road, which I do not want to fall asleep in during that movie, and I'll fall asleep. Interesting. Yeah. But what about you, man? What's up? Because you've been uh, doing that, looking out. What you've been doing? I have not been. You've been doing the, the hip hop abs with Shanti?
2: Dude, dude, you know I had surgery. It wasn't that long oh, ago.
1: Oh, that's right. Yes, I round two. Tell me. So,
2: I'm debating if I should just tell everyone what the surgery was. No, my name is not Patrice. It was not that surgery. <laughs> you would make one
1: ugly woman. I'm just saying,
2: well, I make an ugly man, so an ugly woman ain't that far of a stretch. But, uh, no, so I saw the doctor yesterday, and uh he gave me permission to start working out again. And I'm like, yes. Nice. And he's like, well, you might want to start off slow. And I'm like, 400 on bench, not 450? <laughs> i <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> But uh, no, I was like, wow, dude, this is cool. So Monday, I can start working out again. I figured, you know, I'm on a roll of nuts. No-
1: mm-hmm. What was... Okay, that time there was a person and it scared the crap out of me. Hello, do you guys want to read me keep my worker? I'm on a podcast. What's
2: up?
1: Oh, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> when well, you can you drop it?
2: Yeah. It's the wrong wire. I don't know where it's going. Uh- okay.
1: All right. I'll, I'll make the red wire with the blue wire. Yes. I can jumpstart the house. That scared me.
2: <laughs> I literally, I heard something and then I saw you and I was
1: like, I don't know what's going on either. Well, you're vulnerable because I got these headphones in, right? And like, you're vulnerable. Like, I don't, right. I, I, you know, you can't hear. Like, I should have been able to hear him going up the, the stairs. But also, I'm in rapt attention to you, You're in what? Rapt attention.
2: Oh, to me? To what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just excited. I get to work out, so I'm I'm gonna wait until Monday and start working out on Monday. Nice. But it's been nice. stinking cold. I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go out yeah. in my backyard and start working out. Yeah, man. But I uh, know
1: it has been freakishly cold. I love it. I'm in my element. I'm so happy. The colder it gets, the better for me.
2: So uh, yesterday, those who listen to the podcast know that we got a puppy. She's coming up on. Five months, I think. Let's see, September fourth, October, November, December, January. Yeah, she's coming up on five months next week. Really small. I think we got like. I think she's going to be smaller than my last dog, Ricky. And I'm kind of oh, bummed no about way. that because yeah, Ricky was like a, a really. Thing. Ricky was a really small pit bull, and I was like, "Now this pit bull is going to be smaller than Ricky." Yeah. What the heck? I think she's mixed with a Dachshund. because she's like oh, getting really? longer. She's getting longer. <laughs> you have a weenie pit. Dude, how awesome would that be? You got a weenie pit. That's so rad. So I'm like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if she you know, like goes through a growth spurt because right now she's really small for an almost five month old. Right. Like I'm. I'm a little bit. Jamie's excited about it. And I'm kind of bummed. But anyway, so yeah. last night we're eating dinner, and we keep her like in the movie room or here in my office, and she can usually go back and forth between the two
1: rooms. And I you hear like her a little doggy gate or
2: Well, we just leave those French doors behind me open. We got okay. a gate in between that right, big opening okay. on the other side. So um I hear she's chewing on something and I'm like, okay, that doesn't sound like her bone. And she's been eating the uh, remote control for R2D2 lately. So I go look and she's actually demolished a pair of my readers, my, my glasses. That I, I, oh, kept, no. I kept one in our movie room because, you know, I'm like reading on my iPad while they're watching some stupid show or whatever. And so I'm like ticked. Right. But I, I strategically place readers everywhere. So I never have to worry about where are my readers because there's always going to be one there. Right. So I got one on this desk. I got one on that desk. I got one in the movie room. I got one in my car. Like, I just leave a pair everywhere. So then, like, three minutes later, I hear her chewing on something else. And so I go to go look because again, it doesn't sound like her bone. She jumped up on my desk and started chewing my other pair of readers. Like oh, those. no, dude. Oh, and she got the glass too. I'm like, that's it. That's it. This little Dash Hound is going to get it.
1: <laughs> Don't you call them dachshunds? Isn't that like. I want to say that? the word Dash Hound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. man. Hey, I just had uh, some, some people from Germany. Join a new breed. I think I mentioned. You mentioned. Who, uh, but they have officially been. By
2: the way, Tyrone Peterson says ugly is a medical condition.
1: (laughs) It it could be. It could be.
2: Oh man. Is he talking about me or you though? Well, I I would think it was our conversation where I said you, the three conditions you had, you, your neuromuscular, your spine and your ugly.
1: Well, that's like Roseanne, Roseanne and Anna Dana on Saturday night live. Where he he writes, she reads the mail, and this guy is like, uh, yeah, and I got bunions on my feet, and I got this, and I got, and he's like, in the way she reads it, and then she stops after he gives all these ailments. He's writing in for, uh, it's dear Roseanne, Roseanne, and Anna, Dana. it's like a, uh, you know, like dear Abby or whatever. <laughs> she stops and goes, you sound like a real fun guy, <laughs> which is her way of saying, suck it up, out of way. Just ah, and rubbing it in i like that a little yeah, suck
2: it up yeah. buttercup action
1: dude i sometimes say that to my daughter is that wrong i tell her you guys but i say it in an encouraging way because you know she's got a lot of things she's got to overcome and right now she's wearing leg braces sometimes i'll say to her so i was spelling out to her this week i'm like hey you know then, this for those of you that are like oh my gosh this is just part of the course in in the jones house this is what we do all right and the tears and putting leg braces on and Sometimes I'll say to her, I'll be like, babe, you can do this for one or two years. You, you're not going to need these anymore. You know, that's what the doctors are hoping. And then I'll be like. Have her watch okay. Forrest Gump. But then I say, you've got to suck it up, okay? You've got to suck it up. And, and and part of me hears in the background, you are the devil. <laughs> you're going to hell. You can't tell your seven-year-old daughter. I don't say it mean like suck it up, you know, but I tell her, you've got to suck it up, babe. You know?
2: Okay, I, yeah. you, you made me think of a story that I got to tell you about my daughter. <laughs> so, Fridays, I got to go pick up my kids from school. It's literally behind our house, not a big deal. So, I walk over there. My son's nine. My daughter's six. And um, I, I'm taking our dog, our puppy, for a walk. Now, our puppy just loses her mind around the kids. She is just goes to a level 10 instantly because she wants mm-hmm. to, you know, play. All right. So we're walking back and I don't, I guess one kid was on one side of me. The other kids on the other side. And all of a sudden, like my dog is just like, she'll be jumping the whole way. Like she's not walking. She's jumping the whole way right. back and forth. And she just like fully not looking jumps and just tags my daughter and knocks her knees right out from underneath her. And she just falls flat, just like a hard whap. Wow. And I'm like looking at her and I. And I go, are you okay? And she looks at me all stunned and she's like, yeah. And she gets up and I go, and I look at my son. I go, the difference between you and her, you'd be crying. And your sister just sucks it up. (laughs) And it's true. My son would have been crying, but my daughter, man. totally
1: see that in their personality. Yeah. Your your daughter, she's the baller. She's the one that that you're going to have to watch out for one day. Oh, dude! She's I've... gonna inherit all of all of Pete's. So I used to call Pete, and I'd be like, "Hey, man, what do you want to do today?" And he's like, "Same thing we do every day, which is a pinky in the brain, right? You right. know, try to take over the world." She's gonna have that in oh, her. Oh, totally. Pete. Yeah, she's got that. She's gonna inherit all of like like Emperor Palpatine's power going into Rey. That's what's happening. My my daughter
2: is. She, she's got, got my personalities. Evil. Like she is, uh, uh, she's an introvert, definitely, just like me. An extrovert around her friends, just like me. I think she's going to be the shooter between the two of them. My son has like taken on a lot of the personality of his grandfather that he never met, but he is very much like Jamie's father, like mm-hmm. very much like That's him. Bad. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's interesting to see how different, you know, personalities are at such a young age. Big time, dude. Like, just the way they, just the way they were
1: hatched. Different. So true, is it? So true. So, hey, well, uh, good,
2: good news, man. I got to share this with you real quick. Yesterday, Jamie and I had a serious conversation about moving out of California.
1: Really? What? Wait. So, I can't get you to move to Carlsbad, but you're going to move out of state. By
2: the way, if I have to live in California, I'm not leaving Orange County. I'm not moving to Carlsbad. Really? Yeah. San Diego
1: rad, dude.
2: No, it is. You're the it's best. It's beautiful, but I can't carry a gun as easily down there as I can what? up here.
1: Are you serious?
2: It's harder to get a control, uh, concealed carry permit in uh, San Diego. Are you serious? It's becoming looser because they're seeing how good Orange County's doing. Orange County is basically a shall issue. Um, But what San Diego did is they basically, you'd have to say, well, I'm a business owner and I hire and fire people and I have to go to the bank and blah, blah, blah. You'd have to give them all those excuses. And then they were issuing their permit saying, okay, you can carry, but only when you're doing official business duties. So you couldn't carry just going to the, you know, dinner or whatever. Really? That's so better. they're starting to loosen that up. They're starting to change it. But I don't want to move to that kind of a county. Just like yeah. I would never I move didn't to LA. Know county. You had
1: different county rules as well as state. Well, rules. how they
2: how they give them out. Like you can't get a permit in LA County, pretty much, but you can get like you can't get one in San Francisco, San Mateo, basically. How is
1: this connected to the right to bear arms? Like how 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 is that not contested?
2: Oh, it is being contested, but it's so smooth and slow through the courts that it's it's like probably another 10 years from hitting the Supreme Court. Oh,
1: wow. Our system is pretty gunked up. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. So Jamie was like, because I'm reading the- John Adams right now about the Founding Fathers, yeah. that big, giant 24 hour long uh, audiobook. So I'm listening to it, which, by the way, I-, I was telling you, that's what I want to be my dream job is um, read books. I can say three words and just sit back and collect my millions. This is Audible. That's that's what I want, my job. But I have a feeling like the voice of Siri, he's not getting paid for every one of those. He, yeah, he, walked, he walked into the studio. They you said, know what right. it was? He was We're a guy, guy on Fiverr.
2: They gave him $5 on Fiverr. <laughs> They're using that for everything.
1: <laughs> Wouldn't that be rad? That would be the best. Oh, gosh. Yeah, they paid him a one-time fee. And they, I'm and the voice of Audible.
2: Away. I got $5 for it, and Fiverr took oh. their cut.
1: But how cool is it? Like the the lady that recorded Siri, she didn't know she was the voice of Siri until she heard herself on it. Oh, really? Yeah, she that. had no idea. It's, I guess people do those for like all kinds. Of, they could have gone to any company for sure. Apple, just like their voice and body. Nice. So, sorry. No,
2: so we were talking, we were talking about Tennessee. We were talking about Texas. And part of the reason why Jamie's like open to it now is my son is extremely social like you you know him he's, he's like i said the opposite of me he's a total extrovert and he's only 9 years old and she can see part of his issues is he's suffering from depression and she's like what 9 year old has depression this is ridiculous these lockdowns this
1: oh but they opened them up this this week Yes. Yes. Biden here, is here, in office.
2: Here it is. I'm like, I'm. I'm going to take away all of your freedoms, and then I'm going to give you a little bit back and go, hey, aren't I so good? Look at how I helped you out. I'm like, it's in the 40s. And they say, now we can do outdoor dining? Yeah. Seriously? You didn't do anything for us. No. We've been going to this, uh, this underground restaurant that's not underground. We <laughs> just opened. And they're like, we've been eating inside. We're like, forget this. For weeks now, really? Yeah, wow. Apparently, that city—I'm not—I'm not going not to say what city it is, but that city's police no. does not no. care because I've heard several other restaurants in that city are have been open.
1: Well, so Encinitas—they're—they're um, they're just defying their city's fines because they're like, "Look, we got to stay open. We're social distance. We're following all the guidelines. It's outdoor seating, um, but we—you can fine us all you want. We're just not paying it." Right, and so the whole city has banded together in San Diego County to say, "Yeah, whatever, find us." You know, big, Steve Erickson said they it. just
2: gave us the opportunity to dine outside last month here in Minnesota.
1: Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh, Steve, you guys have the best restaurants. I adopted my second daughter from Saint Paul's. Oh my gosh, the food places there. Um, what's the what's the um, is it dunst brothers the uh there's a there's a coffee shop there that was amazing back then this is in 2013 i've heard that they got bought out or they're not as good but dude uh, i remember just going to food places and being like this place is rad and they're like well it gets pretty cold here in the winter all we can do is eat so we're pretty good at making good food here that's I like that thinking because it's crazy cold there. So, but um, but the other thing is, you know, I was thinking about my other job, Pete, that that I might like, um, other than doing this full time. Right? Wouldn't that be great? You and me working together all day, every day. All we'd
2: have to do is actually like spend the time and go get sponsors. How can we make money at this? and not call it jump school. (laughs) like That would just be the conversation.
1: Pretty much. I I actually believe that we could have probably monetized this thing very well had we wanted, but that's, that's what people do. They they do this, but I think part of our, our listenership also goes, Hey, these guys aren't just doing this for money. (laughs) Yeah. They're not really,
2: they're, they're barely even in it for ministry is what they're thinking.
1: (laughs) We're, we're in it for two reasons. I, I you know, it's funny, man, because I, going back to this, not that, not to do an apologetic, but I do think that part of our podcast's appeal is that we're actually just real people talking about real things, and talking about church planning too. And I think there's so much of a, a lack of authenticity in ministry often that people, uh, people were drawn to that. I, I think we were just basically like, hey, we're not here to advance a career. We're not here to impress you. We're not here to get a following. We're here to help you as the planner. And that's got to be what it is. And also, Pete and I are just here to have a good time as well while we're doing it. I think that works. So, stupid people on Oceanside calling me. So, uh, anyways, uh, my other job that I always am amazed that nobody's done is being Batman. And you don't need to have a million dollars. You just need to have a little bit of Kevlar body armor. You need to have, and you can go on like, you know, you can go online. Hey, hey,
2: guess who ordered some body armor?
1: You did? I did! So, so here's the thing. You are my richest friend. Um, You are getting extremely in shape. And uh, you did just have a body enhancing surgery. So I am kind of looking at this. I got the butt implants. They're coming along great. Cybernetic uh, bionic enhancements. And uh, no, he didn't. I'm, I made that up. But it's actually, but it comes
2: with a pump. You remember those tennis shoes where I can kind of pump up my butt cheeks as needed?
1: Dude, I remember a toy when we were a kid. They were like these um, inflatable muscles and they, it was the it was the Incredible Hulk. And so you would stick these under your t-shirt and you'd pretend to get mad. And you had like a little hand pump. And, and on the commercial, you can look this thing up. He goes, oh no, he's getting mad. And he's over there and he's like, oh, and he's like pumping this thing up in his, in his muscles in his oh. shirt of, and his him. And in the commercial, the kids, it's like the 70s, the kid has a, a rubber hose, a garden hose, and he goes, ah, oh, and he bends it like it's a bar. And then it shows him holding an ice cream cone. And he goes, and crushes it, and the ice cream goes everywhere. It was rad. And I wanted that thing so bad. I'd still, for an adult, I would still have it. I'm just saying.
2: Except if they made it. them today, you wouldn't have to pump it. You'd be like an app on your phone. You could press a button and it would automatically fill. I'm just saying. That's okay, how stupid technology so is.
1: This is the other thing. You see these trophies that I got back here, right? If if you're listening to the podcast, I have a Snake Eyes helmet. I have a Boba Fett helmet. And I have a replica of the child behind me. And I swear to you, if I can find a bust of Chaka from the 70s. Chaka scared the crap out of me. Always. He, he he was he was a little weird. Admittedly. I thought
2: Tyrone's yeah. comment on that thread was the best. He goes, his full name is Chaka Khan, <laughs> and
1: I was dying when I read that. And I responded, you know, he was empathetic with uh, Holly. You know, he he Chaka uh, Chaka because uh, I feel for you. You know that Chaka Khan, let me rock it. It's all I want to do. Khan, let me rock it because I feel for you. I don't, I don't know, know the song, but thank that. you for see, for giving us see, that. See that I did that only a few would know Chaka Khan. So. That was a that was that was the first white people foray in the rap back in the day. So um, anyways, what I was gonna say was going back to um, Chaka though, uh Chaka was a deal. And and also, do you remember um the slee stacks? The yeah, K? what's that from?
2: Land of the lost. Oh, dude. it was the same. Okay. Yeah. And I remember go, the name.
1: Yeah. And they come in. Well, Brandon Brooks sent me all of these like 1970s, like Halloween costumes and I was like dude why is it not a Chaka costume so that's how this got me thinking about Chaka and then I was like dude Chaka was like the bomb when I was a kid like we were I was so into that and if Chaka was in the episode I was gonna like it but also our our
2: listeners you should see the stuff that they're putting up on our Facebook feed like Steve just shared the Chaka Khan music video from YouTube (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh and and then and then the the guy that would be like, yes, Will Marshall, the, the good sle stack, the smart one. And I'm blanking out on his name right now. But uh I told Brandon Brooks, I go, remember when this sleeve stack was on screen? I'm like, I always felt safe. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, funny enough, that's my buddy's dad, because Brandon's in the in Hollywood. And so he's like, Yeah, I met that dude. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, is he still alive? Because I know Brandon will hook me up. And Brandon's like, no, he passed away about four years ago. But that dude, man, he was like this wise, good slea stack that was gonna help him get home. Oh my gosh, dude. So good. Mm. So good. Memories. Memories, Pete. I'm getting a little 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 gushy here. But why should uh, actually I get be into Why can't I be Batman, Pete? Why um, why can't if you're i have too short. that stuff? You're too short. Okay, okay. But if I did I'm you see that shadows, article, did you see that knows? article
2: where they're like, uh oh man. Michael Keaton should be the next Batman. Did you see that one? No. They're like the current Michael Keaton should play the next Batman.
1: I was like, that would be great. You know, like how how old he is now? Yeah, just. But dude, you've seen you've read the comic, The Dark Knight, right? Or have you seen the cartoon where Batman's all old?
2: No, you see, um, I'm I'm a man and not a little boy, so no.
1: You can't you can't tell me that and watch the movies you watch because. You have that little boy thing going Pacific on. Pacific sure. Rim was a great movie, okay? <laughs> did you know? I there was, was nothing, nothing wrong with else. that movie. <laughs> exactly where I was going, see? So, so hey, uh, I, I was going to talk a little bit today about spiritual warfare and planning, and I'm going to. But I want to talk specifically about temptation. Um, and part of the reason for that, I've got a couple things going on life. And we're going to get into the topic here in a minute. Number one, I've got a webinar this Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific on mobilizing your church, um, which is uh, kind of one of my passions, um, talking about Cogs or what people would call microchurch, I guess. We never called it that when we did it. But, um, but getting your people mobilized, activated in their gifts so you can check into that, go to, if if you don't sign up to Ministry Ninja newsletter, you need to go to MinistryNinja.com and um, you can find all the details there. Uh, but anyways, check on my Facebook wall. You'll see it there. Um, but the webinar is going to be this Friday at 3 p.m. And, um, you, you know,
2: this is airing on Monday, right? So.
1: Yeah, but for the Facebook people, Facebook okay. live, okay, so, for all you guys check. out. So
2: everyone out. listening to oh, this on the podcast is too
1: late. It already happened. But go to Ministry Ninja anyways, you're going to catch the next one. The next one is going to be with Ralph Moore, and that's in February. So Ralph and I are pretty tight. we we become friends. He is a mentor of mine. And then uh, in March, I think it's Brian Sanders. So we've got a pretty cool lineup coming up with people that I respect and I think you should listen to. And uh, you can check that out. But for my day job, what I do is I write uh, episodes of, I I would so like to say, um, the new Star Wars show. There's nine of them coming out. Um, No, I write episodes of Through the Word, which if you never check that app out, it's pretty epic. Um, It is eight to nine minute uh, chapter summaries of the Bible. They're frequently uh, number one on version for uh, downloads. They are... A ministry that I deeply respect. The guy who founded it actually uh up until recently was um heading up Refuge Long Beach and leading that team over there. So uh, anyways, but right now I'm doing a series on temptation. I'm just gonna, you know, when it comes to church planning, you've got a target on your back. Like immediately, the second you put your toe to the line, Satan goes, Okay, you know, um, that that's 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 how you used to fight. You put your toe to the line, the guy could hit you, right? And in, in boxing matches. As soon as you put the toe to the line, boom. Right? It was it was game on. So you only put your toe there if you're ready to get hit. And that's how it works with church playing. You put your toe to the line, the enemy's coming in for a blow. And uh, so Pete, I'll let you do the transition and then we will talk about temptation. I gotta
2: remember what we say in the transition.
1: <laughs> uh
2: it's not the Let's podcast see. church planets deserve. It's the podcast they need. Great Scott. It's time for this week. Stop it. Let's get down to the meaty
1: gritty. There we go. All right. Well, hey, I don't know. Um, everybody think about your first temptation, right? My first temptation uh, was when I was a kid. I used to sneak food because I was a fat kid. And uh, Peyton Jones needed to feed. But uh, the Bible actually talks a lot about temptation, and the reason why, and, and I always think that, that people kind of need an understanding of why does it matter? Why does temptation matter? Why does overcoming temptation matter? Why don't I just fall into it? Why, what, what's the big deal? I mean, hey, I can ask for forgiveness later, right? But God is more concerned about keeping us safe than he is making us good. And And, and I know that that you might be like, well, wait a second, the Holy Spirit's making us holy. Yes, He is. But, but why does holiness matter? Holiness, if you boil it down, Jesus said, if you if you want to keep the, the commands of God, which are holy perfectly, you love God with all your heart, you love your neighbor as yourself. So, when we talk about it being safe, that's the core reason is because sin hurts you, hurts God. And it hurts other people. Um, now, don't get all theological with me and say, "Technically, it doesn't hurt God because He's an immovable, unchangeable being." Yeah, whatever. But it hurts your relationship with Him. So, anything that hurts us, it pains God, and it hurts God. And I mean, you you would definitely say that Jesus is not some un—I mean, you might be the Rock of Ages, but He's not an unfeeling rock. Mm-hmm. So, Jesus cares about these things. It actually says He underwent temptation for us in every possible way so that he can so he can sympathize like he feels he cares so but you know uh most of us um especially pete mitchell because he's got his reading glasses on his reading uh is drawn to temptation like a bug to a bug zapper right but we keep coming back to sin over and over and getting our wings and antennas fried and uh, think about it for a second Right, our our biggest trilogies ever. Pete, what would you say were the biggest trilogies?
2: There's only one.
1: Okay, give me it. Star Wars. Okay, why do you think that trilogy connected with people? What do you think they related to in that? Lightsabers. Okay, that's robots not where I was going. That's not where I was going either. Laser guns, but not as much as the Exploding lightsabers. Planets. Uh, maybe the hairstyles of Princess Leia. The, the uniquenesses
2: monster. of the spaceships.
1: Yeah, I still think the the trash compactor monster was the real reason people liked that film. But uh, last season, I'm the appearance. I
2: love how they got a a shower in between when they get out of the trash compactor and before they get back on the ship. It's kind of amazing.
1: Yeah, but it's it's science fiction. It's like space. They just they had a thing. They took out and they did the thing with the thing, and then they got clean.
2: They they got like a. Uh, uh, that shampoo where it's like, you don't need to wash it out. You can just put it on your hand, rub it in your <laughs> hair and you're good to go.
1: I just pictured her walking down the, the hallway. One of them pushed a button in this air vent all over in a ring. Went <laughs> and they should have out. had that on but space balls. That.
2: If they had that on space balls, that would have been perfect.
1: That would have been rad. But, uh, but anyways, you know, it's the, the reason that I think people connected to those films so much was that it was, it was the temptation of the dark side. <laughs> Um, So if you look at it, right, uh, Luke doesn't give in to his rage, but all he has to do, all he has to do is just give in to the temptation, to uh, his fear, his rage, his hatred, and then he wins, right? And and every human, to be tempted is human. It's like our human experience. And the same with um, Lord of the Rings, the second biggest trilogy of all time. Um, Lord of the Rings actually, uh, is about temptation at the core of it. Tolkien was a strong Catholic. He definitely meant for us to understand that, um, uh, sin like the ring, the sin eventually takes over your soul and corrupts you over time. The more you give into it and the temptation in the films, a whole time for him is to keep it to, um, kind of like a, a Jedi, right? The, 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 what made a Jedi, a Jedi was he resisted temptation. I mean, that's, that's really what in the original trilogy. And that's the what Sith, made a Jedi a Jedi.
2: The Siths were just false prophets.
1: Interesting. Thought about it. <laughs> but, they, but they gave into the temptation, right? The Sith were just like, hey, we're just giving into this. Uh, we're just going to go with it, right? So, you know, uh, I guess one of the things that, that's important to know is, you know, everybody's tempted to be tempted is to be human. And an important distinction is if you're tempted, that doesn't mean that you've sinned. I mean, Jesus was tempted. We just said he was tempted in every way. The temptation of Jesus is very different than my temptation. Like, most of those things would have been temptation to me. So, he was tempted in every way, but he also was tempted in more ways. So, if I read the temptation of Christ in the wilderness, that temptation is very different than mine, right? Like, I've never been tempted to go to the top of something and throw myself down. Hope angels. I've never been offered all the kingdoms of the world. I've, I've never been asked to turn. some his temptations were beyond what mine, were. but then he had all of mine too. And so to be temptation is human. That's why Jesus was tempted. Uh, even Adam and Eve. So it says yet he was without sin. Adam and Eve were human. So they were tempted by Satan in the garden. Being tempted is a human condition. And so it's very important and I think for you as planners and, and people leading people to Christ to ensure them that they know that um, being tempted is not equivalent to um, being being guilty of sin, right? Um, because one of the things that I think Satan does, is he, he, he gets you to feel so rotten about being tempted. And funny enough, um, I had a dream last night, Pete, that um, I was working in something like a uh, blockbuster. I told Andrew back this morning, I go, I had this really weird temptation dream. And it's probably because I'm working on temptate, this temptation study. But um, I, I there was this girl in the dream, and and she was really pretty. And she I guess we were working on like some blockbuster thing. Um, those of you that know that the last blockbuster in Bend, Oregon, um, I know exactly where that is. I thought it was in Alaska. Um, no, it's in Bend, Oregon. And uh, it, it, it actually... Um, that's where David Thompson is, from New Yeah, but I thought, I ever are trained. you sure there's not
2: one in Alaska? I heard the one in Alaska was the last.
1: No, I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, I'm pretty confident that the one in Bend, Oregon is. I mean, they just did a Netflix uh, special about it. Um, and I think it's called The Last the Last Blockbuster or something like that. But uh, but it's in Bend. So, um, anyways, I'm jumpy today. I thought that was a person. Did you hear that? I thought yeah. another person appeared in my... I may uh, I don't know why I'm jumpy. I, I thought that I was Hellraiser
2: be. trying to come in through the door.
1: Speed. <laughs> so, uh, but anyways, um, you know. So I don't remember what I was saying. Um, it had to do with temptation. I can tell you that. It did, but I was gonna say, um in the last blockbuster. Oh, so I had this dream and I, I guess I'm working like somebody it looked like the blockbuster in um so anyway, she's over at this other counter. I'm at my counter. I'm not flirting with her, I'm not doing anything. But she's she goes, you know, she's checking me out. She's obviously into me. And she she says, How do you feel about cheating on your wife? And it was like a proposal, and I and I go, Not very comfortable about that. And then I go home, I tell my wife in the dream, and then I say, I'm quitting, you know, tomorrow. And I quit. So I woke up and I went, eh, that's pretty cool. You know, normally in your dreams, you, know, you have no clue what you're doing. And uh, so that was kind of cool, though. But I think because I'm thinking about it all the time. But, you know, like, should I feel nasty that I had that dream? Um, no, it's, it's, it's hard to be inhuman. Temptation is not something you can feel guilty of. But if I'm Satan. I'm I'm gonna try to get you to, to to feel dirty and evil and make you feel like just being tempted, like oh man, I'm such a dirtbag. I might as well give in. I'm so gross. And that that's his that's his strategy. That's his tactic. There was a a parable once about a flea market where the devil would set up all of his tools. And this guy's wandering down the aisles and he finds he comes to the devil's booth and he looks at all there's like all these nasty looking tools like. Things that are big made out of metal and have like gears on them and big hooks for sawing and gouging and basically ripping things apart. And he looks at this little one and it looks like a little metal toothpick, um, almost like a miniature crowbar. And he knows that at the highest price tag. So Satan looks over and he he noticed a man's puzzled look as if he's had to explain this a lot. And he goes, Oh, you're wondering about that one, aren't you? That little beauty. it uh, may not look like much, but it it's my most valuable tool. That one is called discouragement. And he goes, because with that one, I can pry open any of my enemy's defenses. And then I can grab any one of these weapons I want and get in there and do the real work. And, and, And I think with temptation, that's what Satan actually does. He discourages us right off. Like, it's like an alcoholic, right? The alcoholic, they train the alcoholic to just resist that one drink. And you know, Pete, from like not eating bad food. Like at one point, you had to get past that first craving. Right. Or whatever it was, Taco Bell or a donut or whatever. And then you get past that and you feel empowered and you're like, I can do this. Wait, I can do this.
2: But then and at one the same thing- time, you always got to remember, like for me, it's like, okay, at any moment, I could easily go back to that. And so right. it becomes a daily, no, it's easier, yeah. right? It's easier to keep resisting it, but you can always just trip up and go, mm-hmm. You know, that's to so use your important. example, right? One little sin, and then you're right back in,
1: right? And yes, and that's and that's the way that you stay clean, right? Is is that one day at a time, right? That's where that came from. One day at a time, um, you count every single one step at a time. Those were all like recovery slogans. Um, that's what you have to do. Yeah, you're right. You can go back. Like I'm a recovering sinaholic. You know, um, I'm in recovery. I'm never cured. If I'm an alcoholic, I'm never cured. If I'm an addict, I'm never cured. I'm I'm perpetually in recovery because of that same mentality. You can't ever think, oh, I'm past that. I can never do that. You have to live with that every day, you know, and and resist that temptation every day. And so, really, right. in many ways, AA and NA, um, what Doctor Bob, the, the the two guys that founded um, that, they were ministers, by the way in the holiness movement, they were lay ministers and they wanted to reach people with the gospel. But they couldn't, they started in a church basement and they realized we're never gonna reach people. So they took it out. They, they stripped down some of the language to higher power from Christ on and on. And a lot of people that don't know much about them are like, oh, they totally sold out. They were leading people to Christ hand over fist. I mean, it was, it was a very powerful movement, um, but what they had really done is they had studied temptation. And they had, they had learned, this is how you beat addiction. And it was a study in temptation. So, um, but you know, what, one of the things, I, I think one of the, the really important questions to ask at the very beginning is, why is Satan coming after you? If you're church plant, and you know, we know the obvious reasons, right? Like, um, I'm going to advance a kingdom. I'm a threat to him. I wasn't a threat to him when I didn't advance past the front lines. But an equally valid question would be, and my mind goes back to the Simpsons, where they're in the Sunday school class, and uh, the teacher goes, uh, does anyone have any questions? They start asking all those questions. Bart's asking, like, and, and she cries and has a breakdown and runs out to But uh, the Sunday school teacher, uh, he goes, what if you took a human brain and put it in a robot body? And he starts like freaking around. Uh, I don't know, Bart. Uh, but one of the questions he asks is, why did God make Satan? <laughs> Just like, uh, uh. but it's one of those kinds of questions. Like, why did God even allow temptation to enter the world at all? In other words, if we knew this was going to happen, why did he allow temptation? If I've said that temptation is a human trait and we know even for us as ministers, why doesn't God just keep us from it? I mean, we're told to pray every day, uh, lead us not into temptation, but why doesn't God answer that? Fully, Like, obviously, what we're asking is, God, um, it'd be nice if you'd minimize it. Lead me not into temptation is kind of saying, lead me away or or protect me. But why doesn't God remove all of it from us? Um, And I think the reason for that, um, I can't, I'm, I'm a human being, I can't fully answer this. But I think one of the reasons for it is that we will not grow if we are not tempted. The word tempting in Hebrew means testing. And so the Bible says when you're tested, when you're tempted, it's the testing of your faith, right? In James, your faith gets tested. And so, um, one of the things that, um, Jordan Peterson, the psychiatrist or psychologist, um, is kind of really popular. Um, he believes that temptation helps humanity grow and overcome. So he would say something like, if you, uh, Protect. If you lock your, your a child up in a castle, um, they never learn to fight a dragon. Here's what he writes. He says, even the most assiduous of parents cannot fully protect their children, even if they lock them in the basement safely away from drugs, alcohol, and internet porn. In that extreme case, the too cautious, too caring parent merely substitute him or herself for the other terrible problems of life. In other words, God would have been like a jailer to Adam and Eve. And Peter continues, it is far better to render beings in your care competent than to protect them. And even if it were possible to permanently banish everything threatening, everything dangerous, and therefore everything challenging and interesting, that would mean only that another danger would emerge, that of permanent human infantilism and absolute uselessness. How could the nature of man ever reach its potential without challenge and danger? Maybe God thought his new creation would be able to handle the serpent and considered its presence, the lesser of two evils. Here's a question for parents. Do you want to make your children safe or strong? So, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that that God uh, wants to make us safe rather than good, but not at the expense of making us weak. And that's the reality. Had there not been a devil had there not been an enemy, had there not been Satan, then Adam and Eve would have never had an opportunity to truly trust God. And so here's here's kind of what I want to say is that, um, you know, you I'm going to go a little bit deeper into theology right now. And, you know, there's all different ways that people interpret the Bible and use a framework for interpreting um, how God has dealt with humanity. There's three reviews three that kind of stand out. One is um, dispensational theology, which if you don't know what that means, it, it means that God changed the way that he dealt with man. He had different dispensations of how he, like they would say something like, um, you know, there was a dispensation of works. That God saved people. Uh, By works at one time, then it would would go on and say this dispensation that when he appeared to to Noah, that was a new dispensation. He makes a new agreement and how he saves people. And um, I'm not a dispensationalist. I think it's it's pretty easy to disprove uh, dispensational theology. John Gerstner, R.C. Sproul's uh, teacher did great work on that. Um, Another guy I'll talk about in a minute, did some amazing work on it. Um, but then the, the, you know, and a lot of people that are, uh, from Arminian persuasions believe in dispensational theology, um, the reform camp says, no, um, when it comes to Adam and Eve, um, this is where this is going, by the way, I should have set this up better, but when God was dealing with Adam and Eve, he had a covenant, an agreement on works. If you obey, you will live. So all you have to do to stay in the garden is obey and live eternally. Just obey this one command. And then once they fail the covenant of works, um, then God set up the covenant of grace because there was no other way to save humanity other than grace because covenant of works was broken. It doesn't work for me. I was, I was reformed. I studied all that. I believed it for years. And then I came across the works of a guy named D.P. Fuller, who was John Piper's mentor. Um, unfortunately, D.P. Fuller went went liberal. I actually did my MA uh, uh, on him, um, my, my paper. But um, sorry about the noise here. It's a little distracting to me. But D.P. Fuller, I think, came up with the best interpretation of what happened with Adam and Eve. And it explains a lot. He said, there has never been a covenant of works that would go against God's nature. It would give man something to boast of. And he goes, and one thing I know about the Bible is the Bible's completely against that kind of thinking. The only covenant God ever made with mankind is the same covenant he made before the fall and after the fall. And it was the covenant of faith. The Adam and Eve, what really happened at the temptation was a crisis of faith. They stopped trusting God. Satan comes in and says, did God really say that? Um, did he really say this? Well, look, I'm telling you, you, you surely won't die. He says when she reiterates, um, it's it's and then it says and then Eve looked, so she doubts what she hears, and then she she trusts what she sees, right? Um, she God told her, hey, just trust me on this. She doubts what she hears, she trusts what she sees instead. Says when she saw that it was pleasing to the eye, good for food, and able to make one wise, she ate. So she trusted more her senses. She trusted her own judgment. She stopped trusting God. And so if you apply that to us, what temptation really is, is for each one of us, we go through an almost identical process every time that we are tempted. And that is the covenant of faith that God made with them, that he then made with Abraham and others. It wasn't different dispensations. It was a covenant of faith. We are saved by faith through saved by grace through faith. It is faith that always saved. Faith would have preserved them if they had trusted God. It was it was a covenant of faith, not a covenant of works. And sorry if this is going a little too deep and theological, but I I actually think it helps us understand what temptation is. When I am tempted, and let's say like internet porn, um, Satan comes and goes. You need internet porn. Uh, because you're a horny devil, and you need this, and you will feel better, and be less horny, and more productive at work, and yada yada. What we do is we trust. Well, you know that's pleasing to the eye. It's it's good for food. It'd be good for me physically, and it uh, makes me wise. Like uh, I'll just you know we we have whatever spin we want to put on that. Somehow we make a deal with. <laughs> The, the, the temptation that, all right, you know, this is, this is going to be worth my while. And rather than going, huh, God said don't do this. There's a reason he said don't do this. It's because he loves me and he cared for me. He knows, being God, he knows I'll be better. So uh, recently um, I read a, a book uh, in the last couple of years called The Brain That Changes Itself. One of the most terrifying chapters in that is he has a whole chapter on what, what porn does to the brain. He's a neuroscientist and uh, he's a guy that, that pioneered neuro neuroelasticity, how the brain changes um, and can reprogram itself. And you can literally physically see all this crap in the brain of someone who looks at porn because it actually abuses your brain. Um, the, the, the system, it's like an addict's brain. Um, and, you know, some of it, you, you just start coming to, huh, even science is bearing out now what God said. There, there's a sense in which we don't hear these messages, we don't hear these things, and we come to believe what Satan says is actually more true and more right than what God says. And when we get into that position, we are no longer trusting God's word. We are no longer trusting what God has said and, the, and now the reason that, I, that, that um, Satan's tempting me becomes very obvious. How can I possibly hold out hope to others who are in bondage and addiction if he has kept me in what well, How would it look differently? How would my preaching be different? How would my ministry be different if I myself were someone who is living and walking in victory and set free and walking under the power of the Spirit? How would I see others set free? Um and this was always super important to me when I was doing frontline ministry because I was like I have to be free. I cannot be in bondage because the the power of God is real and it has to be in operation. And in the same way, now you begin to see why from God's vantage point the temptation is beneficial to me. Um because it's it's kind of like it's kind of like a um Kind of like a muscle, right? Like if the, the word the word testing of your faith, testing means and, and notice that James says that temptation is a testing of your faith, right? Um you 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 literally have um if i if i tested the strength of a cable or a cord or a chain, once that's broken, it's ruined, right? Like it's it's done. But the testing of our faith, I think God Designed that, and even even engineered, maybe even that term was spirit inspired to to refer to muscles and muscle tissue, because we know that um, our our bodies. When I work out, I test, I, I I test my muscles, and it slightly tears them down. That's what temptation does. I think it actually it it tests us sometimes to our limit, but when we don't break, it grows back stronger. And even sometimes after you're tempted, you realize, oh my gosh, God was right. Like, let's say you you fall into sin and your heart's not becoming hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's a, that's a very scary thing. But you're not becoming hardened to sin. You're actually, you're beginning to, let's say you come to a point where you're like, oh my gosh, like David said um, in Psalm 51, where after nine months of being just completely Hardened and callous. Uh, then Nathan the prophet comes to him and his heart's just broken open. And he pours out in Psalm 51 um, that you may be justified uh, when you judge and declared right when you speak. David comes into agreement with God over his sin after falling. Peter, after he denies Jesus, like there's a brokenness. And so even that um, can, can have a, a, a benefit. Um, but we don't want to be like you know. Satan wants to get you like John Bunyan, where John Bunyan, uh, he he he, Christian goes to the the house of the interpreter in Pilgrim's Progress, and the interpreter shows him these different rooms. And at one point, he says, um, "Do you?" Uh, he, he sees this guy in a cage, and he says, "What is this?" And uh, John Bunyan says, "This is this is the guy." who, um, he kept going into sin over and over and over. Um, and eventually, uh, he couldn't get away. And so there he's stuck there now. He's actually, his own sins are holding him and he can't get out. And I'm looking to see if I have that. I know we got to end here. I'm looking to see if, if I have it and I don't have that, um, somewhere I've got that quote. Um, here we go. Um, nope, it's not there. I don't have it. I've got it in my notes and I came across it and thought I'd put it in here. But um, before before we end, because this is really heavy, let me let me in on a lighter note. Um, I want to uh, read you. Okay. Um, there was a, a, a woman married to a miserly man. She had to fight for everything she got. One day, she told him she was going window shopping. And he said, look, but don't buy. A few hours later, she came home with a new dress. What is this, her husband? I thought I told you to look, but not buy. Well, she explained, I saw this lovely dress and I thought I'd try it on. And when I did, the devil said, it sure looks good on you. I then you should have told him, get behind me, Satan, her husband exclaimed. I did, she answered. But when he got behind me, he said, sure looks good from the back as well. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but, you know, I mean, there's so much. So this is like a four-part study that I'm doing for for through the Word, and you can catch it on new version eventually. But um, just you know, for each one of you, right? right? Like I, I was going to talk about spiritual warfare today, and I just thought you know let's head into temptation. The two overlap quite a bit, but it's good to know a little bit about the anatomy of temptation. But today we really only hit on the introduction, why it's important, and 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 why it even exists, and what it what it does, what Satan trying to accomplish. What's God trying to accomplish through it? And I hope today it's inspired you to think because if it really is all about trust, I don't know about you, but that really helps me. It helps me to go, wait, 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 wait a second. Uh, my faith in God is being undermined. Every temptation, like Adam and Eve in the garden, I am going through a miniature crisis of faith here, and um, and so was Jesus, by the way. If you look at Satan's temptation of him in the wilderness. That's what he was trying to create in Jesus. What he was to, if you're the son of God, hey, you know, he trying to create that crisis of faith and it didn't work. And, uh, anyway, so I'm going to stop there. Do, do I get to talk now? Do I get to say anything? You <laughs> must. Are you, are you going to let me? <laughs> yes. I know you want to speak. This is the day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's funny. Uh, I was reading, uh, yesterday second peter and um it doesn't tie in directly with the temptation but there were two different parts that i thought tied in really nicely with what you're talking about especially as it relates to our church planners who listen to this um you know most of second peter is talking about uh false prophets and teachers and you know basically pastors getting corrupted by sin to where they're totally off the reservation and not preaching the gospel at all, but this, this reminded me of something you were talking about with when sin, uh, controls us. So this is second 2 Peter two nineteen. They promised them freedom. So they're talking about the false prophets and teachers. That's the they. they promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption mm-hmm. for whatever overcomes a person to that. He is enslaved. And I was like, yeah, Ooh. you know, you're, you're, you're Ooh. enslaved to that.
1: But, yeah, that's finest way in my study, people.
2: <laughs> but when we look back here at Second Peter 1, starting at verse 5, this was the one that really, like, stuck out at me yesterday. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and with virtue with knowledge and with knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness, with godliness, with brotherly affection, with brother- brotherly affection with love, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whatever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. I was like, oh yeah, that's it, right? Keeping keeping focused, you know, steadfastness, yeah. godliness, self-control. Yeah, it's what the
1: Puritans used to call growing in the means of grace.
2: You totally broke up there because of some...
1: Sorry. Yeah, it's what the Puritans used to call growing in the means of grace. I suppose some people still use those terms. Um, they did at lloyd Jones's church, but they would talk about growing <laughs> in the means of grace. In other words, these are things that are given to you under God's grace. Yes. He forgave you of your sins and you're, you're be you've been justified, but now you're being sanctified. But
2: Yeah. We, yeah. Whenever that, whenever it's really loud in your background, your mic is cutting.
1: Well, I need to take, I just need to turn that off and let everyone suffer through the, the, uh, But yeah, that's, that's, that's powerful, man. Yeah. It's, it's growing in the spirit. There's another verse in Galatians where Paul says, so I say live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sin nature. Mm. So there's a, as you're filled with the spirit, um, there's a contrast. You're not. and, And by the way, earlier when I said, lead me not into temptation, that's what he's actually saying. He's saying, but deliver us from evil. He's saying when I'm tempted, deliver me. But when it says "lead us not into temptation," it's actually saying, "Change my desires, God." That's what you're praying for: is change my desires mm-hmm. to be desired. You. Because you're always going to have, you're always going to have some of the other desires. They're always going to be there until um, we get the other side of heaven. But what you're praying is, God, change them. And kind of like you, like with uh, we were talking about the diet, like you just nailed your diet, like. You know, at a certain point, some of those cravings went away. Like you said, I could fall back at any time, but you actually began to change in your appetite. Yep. You stopped craving junk. Junk started almost being reprehensible to you. Um, and it works that way in the spirit as well, where you start to just go, oh, dude, sin. You start coming into agreement with God about sin, and you you start getting repulsed by it. Like those, those of you that, um, and I, I hate to this, but those of you looking at pornography, um, if you stopped doing that and God set you free from it, the stuff you're looking at now would horrify you if you came back to it after being set free and walking in the spirit over a prolonged period of time. You couldn't even look at it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, it's those appetites that they will change and you will want, you will find yourself and you can't grow. You won't grow. The, the reverse is true. You won't have an appetite after godliness and after the spirit. Um, that's why the, the Paul says the spirit desire goes contrary to the flesh, contrary with the spirit so you cannot um, build them both. It, it's like a choice. And so when you look at it, you're like, man, I want to grow. So I think, I think that the power of God, those kinds of meetings, that was something that always back when we're at Refuge Long Beach, just the power of the Holy Spirit was a necessary ingredient. I used to, I used to, Charlie and I would talk, and he'd be like, "Man, I, I, I don't want to sin, you know, because just I'm so overwhelmed by God's grace, and and I'm just so grateful." And I'm like, "Yeah," and and at that time, you know, like I had had my grace revolution, but he was going through it. I remember saying to him, that's cool. And that's beautiful. I don't want to fall into sin because I don't want to lose the anointing of the Holy spirit that I'm that like, none of this happens without the anointing of the spirit the empowering at all. Like the life change we were seeing, Pete, the, some of the miraculous conversations, <laughs> conversions, some of the, some of the supernatural stuff that would pop off, like that stuff, we needed God, <laughs> you know what I mean? We just needed him. And, <laughs> you know, So, but, oh man, temptation for sure that, that's going to come. And, you know, it's funny. I mentioned the dream. That's one thing that, that I'll notice where we start off saying it's, it's an aspect of spiritual warfare. When I am walking super tight and holy, Satan comes to me in my dreams. That's, that's the thing. That's, that's where I feel like those are the times. And that's again, to try to discourage me. We're even having those dreams, you know. So it was nice to have an encouraging one last night. But you know, your dreams are like that's your subconscious, man. It's like the back door, and Satan will he will harness those. So I'm not saying all your bad dreams are Satan. I'm not saying all your tempting dreams are Satan. James says your own sinful desires uh, drag away and entice you. Each one is tempted by his own. I got enough uh, gunpowder to base on my own. I don't need Satan to, to light any fuses or matches there. Right? I got my own problems. It's enough of it in me. But uh, while I'm resisting on the temptation, Pete, um, the best part of our show. Come on. It's the best part of our show every week. <laughs> I
2: totally forgot about that until you started down that path.
1: <laughs> when you go, can I speak now? Because I was reading and I was like, Oh, if he segues into our ad right then. <laughs> That's
2: funny. Uh, right. Well, you know, Peyton, uh, you know, to to help me spend more time fighting off temptation, uh, that means I definitely have to get out of the busy work of running a church because that'll send me right into temptation.
1: You know, fighting this temptation is a full-time job. And so, therefore, what you need to do is you need to go to SimplifiedChurch.com. SimplifiedChurch.com. Go ahead and send them a note and tell them that Pete and Peyton sent you. And be sure to add a note that I am too busy to deal with all my church finances. Can you help me? I love it. SimplifiedChurch.com. All right. Well, guys, hey, thanks for joining us today. This has been fun. Pete and I got off to a late start. So, if you're on the Facebook going, why is this going over? But uh, I'm kind of proud of us today because we actually... Didn't spend tons of time on Smack Talk. Only 30 minutes this time. Well, that's an improvement. That's 10 that minutes. Is. That's where we've been. We've been running over. So uh, anyways, guys, thanks for joining us today on the Church Finder Podcast. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to. <laughs> N-
2: no one heard anything you just said. If we want to. didn't say
1: anything. Oh. <laughs> if you want to read in the background. <laughs> If you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and You would what he's doing. <laughs> That's a wrap, everybody. All right, guys.
2: Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com.